Man, it's awesome. There are people and organizations who are finally exacting a cost from the left, the leftist portion of the greater party. And we've been begging for this for a decade or more to exact a cost. Today, we're going to talk about some other ways to exact a cost in a godly way for one cannot fight for heaven using the tools of hell. But there really are two possible futures. One, Ron DeSantis portrays. And while we're on that subject, um, you know, we in Florida, there is no way we will ever support uh, this WHO thing to send our stuff. That's not going to happen. No way. The other are the ideas of the World Economic Forum, as explained here by one of their many many advisors to the very, very evil Klaus Schwab. The planet can support something like a billion people, maybe two billion, depending on how much liberty and how much material consumption you want to have. If you want more liberty and more consumption, you have to have fewer people. And conversely, you can have more people. I mean, we could even have eight or nine billion, probably, if we have a very strong dictatorship, which is smart. The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. Drinking me some Frogman Roast from Bonefrog Coffee at bonefrog.us. It's lifetime 5% savings on subscriptions from them, but only if you use bonefrog.us. It is so good to see people beginning to extract a cost and winning We have a huge problem with the greater party, okay? That combines Republicans and Democrats under the um, terrible wing of big pharma and finance, big tech, academia, media, and the deep state. Big, that's the big organizations that make up the greater party. There are left and right portions of the party and politically. And I'm very curious about to what degree people like, well, I was, I was pick Mitch McConnell because he's such an easy target, but let's pick someone else. Uh, let me pick someone I know. I don't know, but I've, I've, I've had a lengthy series of discussions with, I used to know, let's say it that way. Representative Kathy McMorris Rogers uh, from Spokane or represent Spokane. When I met her, she was brand new to Congress. She was delightful and full of life and, Um, and just a wonderful human. She was so kind to my daughter when we lived in DC. I I have no reason to believe that's ever changed about Kathy. Um, But she's been back there so long now. uh, Gosh, probably 15 years. Maybe, yeah, maybe, yeah, 14, 15 years. That I wonder to what degree she's able to see anymore that her party serves big pharma and serves um, academia and the party. And to what degree that has just eroded her self-awareness. 
And I'm also very curious about what portions of the right um, and leadership in the right have actual principles um, and people on the left and, and to what degree they're just playing the game. And that's not something we can know, but it's something we can discern. And it, I, it, yeah, it matters to a degree because I think people with principles, particularly if those principles are grounded in respect for God Almighty and a recognition of God, I think they're, they are people we can hope to have help rescue us from all this. People who've jettisoned that, only God can change them. That's, and that's, so it does matter. It's exciting to see people begin to exact a cost for what the leftist portion of the party is doing. And they are doing that. And exacting a cost puts us in a level of discomfort. We've talked about, but not for, for many years. Uh, no, that's not quite right, but maybe a year. We haven't talked about the necessity of being comfortable being uncomfortable. And this is an important tactic that we must employ and mindset that we must adopt if we intend to try to get America rescued. Because, hey, God's not going to do it. God's going to have us do it. And God cares about America to the degree that people live here. And he cares about the people in America far more than the flag or the trademark or the copyright or the Constitution. He cares more about souls. Saving souls can save America and saving souls is, is it's, it's an uncomfortable act. Bringing up your faith with someone who's not of your faith, it's an uncomfortable act. Even with people who are of the faith, bringing up, hey, come to church and we're not going to church, that's an uncomfortable act. Well, on a secular basis, exacting a cost can be an uncomfortable act. But we have to do it because we're seeing victories where it's done. And there's all forms of discomfort. There's emotional discomfort. There's financial discomfort. There's familial discomfort. Right? And those are the most common. You know, financial discomfort. Can I afford to homeschool my kid? Well, flip the equation. Can you afford your kid to be absolutely indoctrinated against you? And against your beliefs. Can you afford to fight big pharma when they get a hold of your kid? Because they will. They want to. They have a massive marketing program in the schools to, to stick it in your kid in any way they can. Can you afford two years of residential treatment at the cost of a half million dollars? if they corrupt your kid's mind, right? Now that doesn't happen to most parents. You know, most parents don't have that experience. It's a horrifying experience and it can be very helpful. Can you afford to fight your state? When your state comes at you and says, yeah, you're going to go ahead and give your kid wrong sex hormones. Because the cost of not acting, the, 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 the discomfort financially of can I homeschool my kids? And not everybody can. Some people legitimately can't for, for some pretty complicated reasons. But I think 95% of people can because the cost of not doing this is so pronounced, so profound, so long lasting 
we're talking about your kid's very mental health. And I cannot explain this any more clearly. Your little kids are born scientists. Everybody's a scientist. Everybody. This is being beaten out of people. It's being crushed out of people. The party has their boots on our neck and particularly the left and particularly the so-called school system has their boots on the neck of your kids and they're choking out their minds. Everyone's a scientist. Here's what I mean. Little kids will observe their surroundings. Oh, look at that. If I push this cup, it bounces on the floor and that's funny to me. So they laugh, little babies, and they do it again. Why? Because they thought it happened the first time. I wonder if it will happen again. Then they do it again. Why? Because they're saying, man, I'm smart. I know how to knock that cup down. They have observed something. They've created a thesis. I bet if I do that again, it's going to happen again. Then they've repeated it. And they have, in fact, proven their thesis. Yes, that happens every time I knock my cup over. And then they prove another thesis. That is, my mom's going to pick that up to me and hand it back. Look at that. I've controlled the adult. Now, at some point in their thesis building, the data changes. And that is that mom and dad no longer pick it up. Pick up your cup. And that look of what? Me? Yeah, pick up the cup. You dropped it. You pick it up. Now they're forced to realize there's been a change in their environment. Mom and dad aren't picking up the cup anymore. Why is that? And they can ponder that. And mom and dad have the opportunity to say to them, you're a grown up boy now. You can pick up your own cup. It's science. It's observing your surroundings. It's creating a thesis. It is then observing the thesis in action or the, the, the experiment to prove or disprove the thesis. And then you repeat it to see if in fact that holds true. And then sometimes, yeah, that's been the case. Well, then sometimes things change in the terms of data. And, and in this case, the environment, because you're not operating in an in inert environment, you're operating in an environment with other human beings, their behavior changes, which changes then the result of your experiment because it's reliant upon them. That's little kids. I can't say this any more clearly. Their innate intelligence is being raped out of their heads. This is a so-called teacher. This is a woman who is, is, I don't body shame because God does not look at the size of us. I've been 150 pounds heavier. My father was obese his, his whole life. I'm describing this because it matters. This is a very large woman who is wearing a, I, I, I'm not trying to be rude. I don't know what else they're called. A tutu type, not a tutu dress, but one of those big, long house dresses or big, huge house dresses. Um, she has had herself shot up with a whole bunch of testosterone. So she has a beard and here she is describing how she gains self-validation from preschool children. So today was full of little happy gender euphoria moments. I got called Mr. Micah a lot today. Well, completely femme. And that was really heartwarming that the kids just got it. But my favorite reaction, and it sums me up so well, I feel like, is uh, I was in a new classroom and I took off my mask to blow my nose and I just hear a kid loudly whisper, oh, she's a boy. And I was like, yeah, you got it, kid. You totally got it. Kids are having their innate intelligence raped out of their skulls. 
psychologically. They are having their ability to predict their environment tossed. They're having their innate intelligence crushed. And what is it that remains? The voice of the party. It is as Orwellian as it can ever possibly be. Authority will tell you what reality is. It's not what you step on. It's not what you touch. It's not what you observe. It sure as heck not what your parents say. And people are beginning to exact the cost. And it's my belief that 95% of us can get our kids out of the government schools. How? There are homeschool co-ops everywhere. Look for one. There are churches everywhere. If your church does not have a school, please start it. I'm speaking um, for a fundraiser for a school called Genesis Prep this week in um, outside of Coeur Lane. Schools in Post Falls, they're expanding. They have a three to four year backup of people trying to get their kids into that school to get them out of the government schools. If you lead a church, you are in fact called in my judgment to create a school. Now that needs to be between you and the Lord. You need to discern if in fact your church is actually called into that work with the Lord. But I think the Lord is calling all of us to get the kids the heck out of these environments. So there's homeschool co-ops, there's churches. You can start your own homeschool co-op, but it's as simple as starting a homeschool page. I started a a Facebook page for homeschoolers and in like a month, I got 25,000 members. Okay, it is easy to do to gather parents who want their kids out. You can't afford to homeschool your kids five days a week. How about one day a week? How about four hours a week? Homeschooling doesn't take as much time as government schools because you can concentrate the time. And when I say four hours a week, share it with other families. See, this is happening, and the New York Times has noticed this, and I love the way they phrase this. I'm Grim Milestone with plunging enrollment, a seismic hit to public schools, a pandemic, a supercharged decline in the nation's public school system in ways that experts say will not easily be reversed. It's the flu. The flu did it. Because flus make kids, make parents take their kids out of schools. It's not the flu. We know what it is. It's that parents are noticing this. That hit. 4% nationally in the separate country of Washington State. It was a 30% hit in some districts. 40% in some. So what did the party do? Republicans. Scared. Nakedly frightened. Children in public office, voted with Democrats to continue to pay the schools the same amount of money, even though the seats are empty because they're cowards. Democrats voted for that because they're owned by the unions. But the cost is not just economic. The pain, and I I get emails every day Every day at our event in Bothell, I spoke with three families whose kids have been gender jacked and they are, they are struggling with leaving the state because in the state of Washington, you don't get 
to say, no, you're not a girl if you're a boy. Can you, can, can you stand that cost? Can you stand the cost of your kid believing the world owes them or that they're victims and they'll always be victims? Can you stand that cost? Parents have stood up. Here's the part where I want to up the ante. I talked about this last hour. I want to significantly up the ante in the schools. So about three years ago, I began begging people to go to school board meetings and to read the curricula that was in the sex ed to the school boards. And that happened. And full credit to Rush Limbaugh, God rest him for letting me do that on his program. And that happened. And people wrote me letters and said, oh my gosh, we're doing this. You wouldn't believe it. We had phone calls. I had had phone calls from five or six parents who said, hey, Todd, I took you up on this. And I got kicked out of the school board meeting for reading this. You want to hear the audio? We, we, we just loved running those stories. We ran them on KTTH, my former radio show. We've run some here. And it was earth shattering. It was earth shaking. It caused a revolution. That's how the Republicans won the state of Virginia back. It had nothing to do with the Republican Party. It had everything to do with parents. The Republican Party doesn't want to touch this. It scares them. There's no business model. There's no profit for Kevin McCarthy in taking on the school unions. That's why they never do. So we need to make them pay. So here's how I want to up the ante. I want to do this in private meetings and I want to do it in public meetings. If you have one-on-one meetings with the school staff, your kids' teachers, and you know these teachers to be SJW, this perverse pornographic sex ed stuff, if you know they're pushing this, it's easy. You have an open door. If you don't yet know, take their temperature. Ask them in a meeting. How do you feel about the book Gender Queer? How do you feel about teaching kids that they're not boy or girl? How do you feel about God having created man and woman, not, not this, this, this spectrum of 162 made-up genders? Ask them the question. Discern their behavior around this. And then if they're not on our side, if they're not on the side of God's word, if they're not on the side of God's science, because God did invent the science, he invented the DNA, he wrote it, he created the chromosomes. He did it all. He created this, this psychology that they're, they're, they're reverse engineering and destroying. If the parent, if the teacher is not completely on the side of truth and logic and science and the word of God, I'm not saying that all the teachers have to be Christian. We don't do that in this country, but they have to be on the side of the facts. If they're not, you have an open door in a private meeting with this teacher. I want you to do something that's going to be cause you to be psychologically uncomfortable. Because if you can't find a way to get your kids out of the government schools, and like I think 95% of us can, if you cannot somehow start a homeschool co-op, if it's impossible to find a church, if there's no homeschool co-op around you, if you can't put together five or 10 families to help share the duties of teaching, and by the way, you don't have to be a teacher to homeschool. That's a myth. There's all sorts of free resources available. Dennis Prager has some. The Discovery Institute has some. There are plentiful, plentiful ways to arm yourself to be, to teach your kids, even if you're not a teacher. There's all sorts of resources. If you're not good at math, there's resources to help them. So if you can't get them out, then I want to up the ante in that private meeting, and then I want to take it public. I'm asking us to get comfortable being uncomfortable with a tactic that I call Make them live in the world they're creating for other people. Oh, and by the way, it can be fun. Once you get over being uncomfortable about it, it's actually fun. 
So did I mention I'm having the Frogman blend? I'm becoming a foo-foo. I'm not, fr- I'm not proud of it. I mean, a, a manly foo-foo. But now I think about the blends of coffee. <laughs> this is such a weird change for me. I didn't know coffee could taste good till I got bonefrog.us. I used to go to Starbucks and then Starbucks said, we hate you. Never come here again because I, was, I have concealed carry. And they said, we hate you. Don't come into our stores if you conceal carry. So I stopped going in, but every now and then I'd give into the habit, not because I liked the way the coffee tasted, by the way, but because it was a good caffeine carriage system. Then I found out that Starbucks was sexually mutilating kids with the Mermaid Foundation in the UK. That was the last time I ever walked into one of their stores. So I went to the Folgers in a jar, cold Folgers in a jar. I didn't know coffee could taste good. I went to my coffee hut. Because it's in our community. I love the young people who work there. I like seeing them go through their life. They can't, they've got an exclusive contract, so they can't carry bone frog coffee. So when I drank bone frog coffee, I started to become a foo-foo. I opened the cupboard this morning and I saw, okay, there's the Zen roast. No, it's not really a, I don't want a light coffee today. I need something heavy. There's the darker roast. Yeah, I, what about the Frogman? I haven't had the Frogman in a long time. If the names sound weird, then you might be new to the program. Bone frog coffee, the bone frog itself is an iconic symbol of the Navy SEAL community. Tim Cruikshank, 25-year Navy veteran and Navy SEAL, combat veteran, started this company. Proceeds from the sale of this coffee go to support his brothers and sisters, the families of his brothers and sisters who had their loved one give their life for this country. But it goes to the taste of the coffee. So now I am that guy that's getting to be a little bit like wine culture with my coffee Because I literally enjoy the taste and I know most people enjoy the things they ingest, but those of us who just need to be geeked for the gym and for our job, I have news for you. You can be geeked and also have class and enjoy what you're drinking. You get 5% off lifetime, 5% off lifetime subscription at bonefrog.us, but it has to be that website, bonefrog.us. Uh, Yes, our next speaker, please. Uh, Thank you, uh, school board. Thanks for the time. Uh, I am basing my questions for the school board off of curriculum that was given to my seven-year-old son and and eight-year-old daughter. And I will direct the first question to uh, President of the School Board, Yes, Don, when you masturbate, do you use both hands? Uh, The gentleman will suspend. We will not have the gentleman will suspend. I'm just, wait, this is from a, I'm just, this is a lesson. This was suggested to my kids. (laughs) That's what I'm suggesting we do in public. And I should have given a parent a warning about this portion of the show. I should have. I'm giving one now. For the next 60 seconds, this is going to get rough. But I am basing it off of actual curricula. Actual words put in front of kids by these groomers. Um, Our next speaker. Yes, hi. Uh, I'm basing this off of a... 
amaze.org curricula, addendum given to my 12-year-old daughter. Um, this is a question for um, um, Mrs. Kenny, on the school board. Mrs. Kenny, um, when you perform oral sex, do you use the head bobbing method or the tongue swirl? That's, that's guys, that's in their curricula. Make them live in the world they're creating for our children. If we cannot get them out of the government schools, make them live in it. Ask those questions in private of teachers in, in one-on-one parent-teacher meetings. Ask the principal. They have given you license. In fact, if you see them in the grocery store, ask them in the grocery store. They've given you license. Because they live in theory land. They live in theory land and they live in corruption land. The cost for them is emotional and psychological. It's not threatening. God forbid we threaten you cannot fight for heaven using the tools of Satan. But asking questions of their curricula to their face is simply using their words. The word of God is a sword, by the way. So we can have that at the ready and we should have that at ready. And we need to, we talked yesterday about bringing the church into politics. We need to be really good with the word of God because I've included an article here um, about Jesus, the great debater and all the methods that the Lord Jesus used to debate people. He was so very good at that, but only, only once was he angry or did he show anger. All the other time he used a Socratic inquiry with people and, or, or he used parables the Bible's also filled with this. This is Isaiah 27, 8 are, are, are examples of this. You contend with them by banishing them, by driving them away. With his uh, fierce wind, he has expelled them on the day of the east wind. Yeah, you know what? We could expel ourselves. We're, emble- we're exiles. We're the exiled elect. That's a great place to be. We could expel our kids from their midst, but we can also expel them from polite society. By asking these questions right in front of them and making them show their embarrassment and their red face and their anger because they're going to be angry when you ask them these forms of questions. It doesn't need to be sexual. Uh, Yes, our next speaker. Um, Yes, hi. I now call on all white members of the school board to resign and put in your place BIPOC members. I demand that now, otherwise you're rank racists carrying on white supremacy. Uh, The gentleman will suspend. We will not have statements like that against school board members. This need to be sexual. Because when this is happening, we are seeing victories. And the cost of not doing it. Oh, Lord God, the cost of not doing it. State Farm decided to put out a virtue signaling announcement. They decided to get behind gender jacking curriculum in the school, in the schools. And <laughs> of course, it comes from their chief diversity officer. A diversity officer who doesn't believe there's any such thing as men and women can't have a very good luck at diversity. So Socratic inquiry, this diversity's officer's name with, with State Farm Insurance is Victor Terry. Hi, Victor. Thanks for taking the meeting. Oh, my pleasure, Todd. I'm glad to have you here. Uh, how can I help you? I'm just curious. You're the chief diversity officer. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Is part of that making sure that we have women in leadership? Yes. Um, women with penises? Well, um, some women have penises. I see. 
what exactly when you put women on the board and you put women in leadership positions, what, what exactly qualifies them as women? Um, well, they, they identify as, as women. I see. So if a man announced today he's a woman, couldn't you just put an email out and saying, hey, we have a diversity issue. Are you sure you're not a woman? And have men self-reflect and go home and really think about it and come back the next day and say, yeah, 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 I'm a woman. Wouldn't that solve the problem immediately? Uh, well, there is an issue of deeply held religious beliefs. and Got it. Got it. So they put out this announcement that they were going to back a thing called gender cool. Gender cool. Wait, that sounds like promoting gender confusion. That, that seems like promoting smoking. That seems like promoting mask use. That seems like selling a product. Why would State Farm sell a product other than insurance? Could it be that the State Farm Board of Directors has a crossover with Big Pharma? Could it be that BlackRock has massive shares of, of State Farm? Could it be that they don't believe there's a cost to this? There's only a benefit. Could it be the people who run the marketing and social media and the diversity programs come from a background of having had their minds twisted? So they announced that they're going to do this and then it got found out. Libs of TikTok found it out. Other people found it out and they reversed course. Subject, gender curriculum to State Farm agents from Victor Terry, Chief Diversity Officer and VP Public Affairs. State Farm support of a phil- oh, pardon me, his voice. Uh, State Farm support of a philanthropic program, Gender Cool, has been the subject of news and customer inquiries. This program that included books about gender identity was intended to promote inclusivity. Conversations about gender and, and identity should happen at home with parents. We don't support required curriculum in schools on this topic. We support organizations providing resources for parents to have their conversations. We will no longer support that program. We will continue to explore how we can support organizations that provide tools and resources that align with our commitment to diversity and inclusion. Boom. Cha-ching cost exacted. State Farm got their face rubbed in this. You want to know why? Because their independent agents were writing back and going, hey, I've got people walking in here canceling policies. I live on the float, guys. I'm a commissioned salesperson. My entire income is passive. It's a great business. Like I, I have a friend of mine who owns, oh, I got to ask him about this. He owns seven State Farm businesses, um, State Farm insurance uh, outlets or whatever you call it, franchise type things. Seven of these things, I think it's State Farm. And so he's, man, he's independently wealthy. Because he set up these offices all around Western uh, Western United States, and he lives on a percentage of the monthly payments that people make or the quarterly payments that people make, and he doesn't have to work. Man, I wish I'd thought of that when I was a kid. I should have gone into insurance and just lived on a passive income for the rest of my life. But people started to come in and, and cha-ching out. That's what hit it. This is exacting a cost. This has never happened before. 
And it happened because people got comfortable being uncomfortable. People went to the school boards and they read the curriculum. Now we're going to go to the school boards and we're going to ask the questions from the curricula. We're going to make these people live in the world they've created for our children. We're going to make them answer the questions they ask of our children. And it gets harder now from here because now we shift from things that we can have a good amount of control over, such as school boards, into things that it's far, far more difficult to control, things like public health. But man, we've got some ideas there too on how we can control or exact a cost from the public health people. It's a super terrible realization. Despite the financial blessings that the Lord has given us, or frankly, because of the blessings, I become complacent with my money. Well, let me say it again. I become complacent with his money and have not been a good financial steward. In, in all reality, in all reality, I should be absolutely, absolutely independently wealthy. Absolutely never need to have a thought of working again but I just didn't buckle down. I didn't even get serious about money until I was uh, saving money, investing. I think I was 38 when I really, nah, I think younger than that, 35. When I really got around to, hey, I think this stuff matters. And for me, it was just, you know, disappearing money, just having Microsoft just take a bunch of my paycheck and invest it for me and, and never look at it. And that was really successful for me. I'm in my mid fifties. Where are you? Um, maybe you did the same thing. Maybe you've been a great steward. Well, there's two paths here. If you've not been the steward that you could be with your money, then my friend, Zach Abraham, can help you get this all worked together. Okay. Now, if you don't have money to invest, well, then, then you probably don't belong in a money management firm. But if you've got a 401k or a 403b, you've got those things set up and they've not, they've, and you don't steward them. You're not an active steward. You're not a trained steward. Please, please, please go and examine having Bulwark Capital Management steward that money for you. For people like me who one day may want to retire, although I hate that word because retire takes on another meaning of not doing anything. I can't imagine living that way. Probably you can't either. But if you're near that point of stopping a day-to-day J-O-B, they focus on risk management at Bulwark Capital Management. In fact, it's their obsession. In fact, Zach is, is semi-ADHD about risk management with people's money and God's money, because he views it as stewarding. So if you have the realization in your heart, your soul, man, I've not been a good steward. Get with Zach, Bulwark Capital Management. They will actively steward your money with a focus on risk management. Now, if you have been that person who has been absolutely diligent in stewarding your money, you're probably already working with the manager, but are they doing the 60-40 stock bond mix? If they are, guys, Zach Abraham will tell you in the time of 0% interest rates and all the chicanery going on with our financial system is how rigged it is. That system simply doesn't work anymore. Get in touch with Bulwark Capital Management to talk about how they've performed, where they've outperformed, where they've performed on, on, on baseline. Have the sophisticated conversation with them. Bulwark Capital Management, 866-779-RISK. That's 866-779-RISK or go to knowyourriskradio.com. 866-779-RISK, knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client services agreement. Bulwark Capital Management and Investment Advisor representative of Trek Financial LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. So in the world of public health, 
there is there are two possible futures. One is a future where the World Health Organization gets to seize control over your kids' bodies, your body, and all future bodies of all future Americans. Ron DeSantis says no. And while we're on that subject, um, you know, we in Florida, there is no way we will ever support uh, this WHO thing to send our stuff. That's not going to happen. No way. Beautiful statement. Um, the risk is that the people who run Biden will have them sign on to this accord. If this accord puts, is put into place, they're going to pretend it's a treaty. Even DeSantis called it a treaty. It's not a treaty. You'd have to clear the Senate to be a treaty. It's an accord. That cannot supersede the Constitution of the United States, nor could a treaty. I mean, that's nah, questionable. Sometimes they'll say treaties do. But the world, the, the world Health Organization is the tip of the spear of an absolutely corrupted system of public health. And it has nothing to do with public health. It's all about control. And we'll prove that in just, in just a second of how much control they ultimately want. So how do we exact a cost here? Well, let's start with the, the partners of pharma. CNN I hate to say it, Fox News, to a large degree, is still playing the pharma game. MSNBC, all the big major news networks, most of the newspapers play this. All too many, all too much talk radio is taking big, big pharma money. Sometimes it's in the form of ads from uh, the state health departments. They run these constantly in Idaho. It's just so disgusting. Um, or sometimes it's from the federal government. That's, that's pharma money. They're just pimping for pharma. Sometimes it's in the form of pharma ads, which is your money being spent to get more people hooked up to these terrible, terrible drugs. And the data on this is so profoundly clear. I'll get to two studies real quick here. This is hilarious to me. CNN is admitting that the mRNA injections, quote, might cause people to be more susceptible to COVID. <laughs> This is how many years into this? Guys, if you listen to my radio show, we've been talking about this since the design of the injections became clear. Since we figured out that the injections were going to be simply conning your body into producing the spike proteins, we said, this is not, I didn't say this. I turned to experts who explained it with common sense. Remember, everybody's a scientist. I read the Geert Vandenborsch article, which was the seminal, a seminal article in this. I read um, Martin Koldorf. I spoke with Koldorf twice. I spoke with epidemiologists and immunologists. And here's what made sense to me. The SARS-CoV-2 molecule is a complex molecule with a bunch of proteins and amino acids. And all of them perform some way of entry into the body. I mean, they all have specific functions. The spike protein has a specific function, etc. But when I read the design of the injections, they're only going to have your body produce a small portion of the virus molecule, a, a replica of it, the spike protein. And then I knew that the spike protein is poison. And then when I understood the process of what nanolipid particles do, that, wait a minute, that causes the brain-body barrier? You're going to put spike proteins in our brain? I was like, no, this stuff isn't going to work. This is going to make things worse. It has. CNN is finally admitting this. Let's exact the cost. I am begging you. You've found an alternative way to listen to this program off of radio. Guys, I am on my virtual knees. I'm not on the knees in the studio because lots of reasons. I'm on my virtual knees. Unplug the cable. 
My dearest friends, you send money every month to CNN. Even if you never turn on that garbage, you send money to them every single month. Because you have cable TV in your house. Same with MSNBC. Same with HBO. You can still consume the data. You, you, you watch clip by clip. You're not sending them anywhere near the money you are. And this will exact a cost if people do this in bulk. And CNN has just destroyed their ratings. And look what's happening. Zucker, Zucker is out. Mark Zucker's out. They're trying to retool. They're trying to get back to some semblance of respectability, but it's just a long road and they're never really going to make it, in my opinion. So we can drive the death blow to these guys by backing out. Because they are reporting this now, two years in, but here is, here's how undeniable this is. Um, there is a study that comes from the National Institute of Health and Moderna. It's based on data from 30,000 people in a clinical trial for mRNA shots. And what does it show? It hurts long-term immunity. And they contain it to hurting long-term immunity to COVID. No way. I guarantee this is not going to just be to COVID. It's going to be to hepatitis. It's going to be to influenza. It's going to be to a lot of things because it doesn't just destroy the immune system for one thing. Now, we know it destroys it for COVID. But COVID has no real material difference from other respiratory viruses or SARS. The function, the entry systems for the virus that this thing opens up, this goofy, terrible, leaky so-called vaccine makes it easy for this stuff to get into our bodies. They're not disclosing that. Consequent to this, we've seen a massive drop in respect for so-called public health. Here's how we exact costs. Remember, costs can be financial. They can be psychological. They can be health. We fight this in a godly way. One cannot fight for heaven using the tools of Satan. We go back to asking questions. We make it now, every time we're in a doctor's office, we make it eminently clear to them you have lost our trust. We do it in a polite and respectful way. So you're meeting with your doctor. Um, so like what I want to do is prescribe you some antibiotics to this. Okay, great. I can see I've got an infection. I certainly don't want it to get worse. Uh, please talk to me about the relative risk of this antibiotics with others. I want to make sure I have informed consent here. Well, I can refer you to the insert. Yeah, I'll read that at home. If I have questions, I'll follow up. But do you know? Well, I mean, this is a relatively safe drug. I, I believe that. I, I don't believe that you would ever intentionally do me harm. I, I don't believe that for a second. And please, please forgive my curiosity, but I saw too much over the past two years to simply just trust things. So I'm asking, do you have personal knowledge about the relative risk of this antibiotic and others? For instance, um, is this going to be an antibiotic that might um, cause my, um, my muscles to become brittle? or my tendons to become brittle, because I know there's antibiotics that are sort of tracking to that. 
if you're ever in the presence of doctors and they're, they're prescribing things from big pharma, make it very, very clear that you don't trust big pharma. And it can go like this. Hey, listen, I, I don't mean to cast aspersions on your integrity at all as a human being. You know, I know you're in this business to cure people, but let me ask you, does your hospital have a business relationship with Pfizer? Do they get any bonuses for using this drug over any other? Because I know with remdesivir, I can never say the name of that drug and it drives people crazy. I know with remdesivir, remdesivir, I can never say it. Um, I know with that, that hospitals got paid a big bonus for, for making people take that drug instead of hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin. Is that the case here? Do you know if your hospital, could you check into that for me? Who could I talk to here to check into that for me to see if in fact they're exacting a cost? Or they're getting paid a cost, I should say. They're getting a commission. We have got to communicate to these people visibly. We no longer trust you because their, their operation is based upon trust. And this can go right down to their customer service lines. Burn their customer service lines to the ground with polite questions. They pay money for that. They track how long it takes those calls to go on. Every single minute past a certain minute costs them money outside of their budget. Ask questions at all times of any public health official, anytime. They thrive upon authority. And it's the authority that comes as the appeal to authority, because I said so. We are now in the position of saying no. What you say has only 5% for me, my decision is what you say. 50% is how you defend what you say. The other 45% is my independent research. I do not trust the system. I never will trust it again, ever. Not blindly, ever. The subsequent cost of not doing this is so very high. Hey, you know, um, could you become an evangelist for the show? I, I hate to impose. It makes me feel uncomfortable to ask these things. The Lord has blessed us with great financial partners. The Lord has blessed us with a fantastic, loyal, loyal audience. Far bigger than most podcasts that start out like we have. We're so blessed. And this is a fact about businesses. If a business is not growing, it's dying. Because people leave, people die, people change interests. So if you value this podcast and you're through this far the way, then you value it, I would guess. Would you become an evangelist for it? And this can be where people ask, so where do you get this information? The Todd Herman Show, could you have a link available? Can I ask you and impose upon you when people say, well, where did you learn this stuff that you link to the show? that you simply pick up your app, your podcast app and, and grab that little button and say, hey, you know what? I'll text it to you and you can listen. If we could do that together, we could crack the top 20 of Apple. That's so doable. We've been in the top 50 multiple times globally. If we crack the top 20, we're at a place where we really start to make a dent in the party together. And the show becomes something that is so sustainable. I'd really appreciate that help. The cost of not standing up is profound. It's utterly profound. This is a World Economic Forum statement. And we played earlier, I don't know if you heard this. We played earlier Joe Biden talking about gas prices. Prices saying that uh, 
that it's a good thing that prices are going up. That's that it's that's part of a wonderful transformation. Now, Biden actually said this. That the gas prices we're experiencing is part of a wonderful transformation that will leave us stronger in the end. And he said, God willing, once again, mentioning God, you know, the thing. So he's speaking the same language as the people who run the World Economic Forum or, or big strong members of it. I want to give this lady some credit. In all honesty, I do want to give her some credit. She's talking about pain. Not enough politicians talk about pain, the necessity for pain. Look, we're going to have to have some form of recession at some time, or we're going to continue to live in sugar high economy. Zach and I talked about that last week. That's just going to have to happen at some point. But that's not what the World Economic Forum intends. They don't intend any pain for themselves. This happened at Davos. This is Norwegian finance CEO. Oh, I said prime minister earlier. My bad. Uh, the, the Norwegian finance CEO, Kirsten Brathen. Now, listen to her statement here. Give her some credit for being honest. But realize she doesn't mean her. At no point do they mean them. We need to accept that there will be some pain in the process. Uh, the pace that we need will uh, will open up for missteps. Hmm. Uh, it will open up for uh, shortages on energy. It will create inflationary pressures. And maybe we need to start talking about that, that that pain is actually worth it. Because if we don't, uh, there's no business yeah. case, okay. there's no economy, there's there's no welfare. But but so far, I think we are have been a little bit careful actually talking about the pain in the short term that is likely to come from, from, the, from this the very changes. important yeah. change. Yeah. The, ch need to the changes to what? to their form of energy that we are to use, but they won't use to our form of austerity, austerity that we are to employ, but they won't. You can't speak those words with private jets on the runway and be believed. You cannot speak those words having locked people down in woke masks when you didn't wear them and be believed. You cannot can sit here and continue to claim that we have global warming renamed climate change when we see the fact that this is continual throughout history. You can't do this. You're saying the pace we must have means that we must have this pain, except why do we have to have that pace? Because they say so. The cost of not pushing back in school boards and public health in libraries against businesses who allow themselves to be conned or pressured into pretending to be social justice warriors or to becoming them. The cost of not pushing back on them is that Davos is empowered to keep going. Davos is counting us on us sitting down. Likewise, if we don't continue to stand up in the little areas like the school or colleges, you'll end up with stuff like this. There's an organization called WPATH, W-P-A-T-H. It is a radical, absolutely radical organization that exists to promote sexual deviancy and gender rebellion. Redux has reported this, the identity of a formative member of a castration fetish site, which hosts a, si a child sexual fantasy or child sexual abuse fantasies has been revealed as Professor Emeritus of CSU. Dr. Thomas Johnson advised WPAF um, recently and gave a talk on expanding this, the quote trans umbrella. A professor, 
is a member of a site that fetishizes having testicles cut off and apparently hosts child sex abuse fantasies. And we're back to the so-called trans teacher from preschool. This guy in college. If we do not stand up, these are the people who will eventually run this world. And they will force this stuff upon us because they actually believe they're gods. Is that an overstatement? If you've read the book of Revelation, you know that the beast, the Antichrist, is going to come along and claim to be able to resurrect people and perform great signs and wonders. Remember that? That's what it says in the book of Revelation. We've played audio from this guy before. This is a compilation. His name is Yuval Noah Hariri. He's a proponent of drugging people and putting them in front of video games because in his mind, he said it. We don't need most people. Now, he doesn't propose killing them like the professor we play, will play in a second proposes killing them. But equally, slowly and gently. No, what he proposes is performing signs and wonders because Jesus Christ, that's fake news, but but his godhood and turning you into gods? No, that's perfectly rational. Ovid is critical because this is what convinces people to accept, to legitimize total biometric surveillance. If we want to stop this epidemic, we need not just to monitor people, we need to monitor what's happening under their skin. What we have seen so far, it's corporations and governments collecting data about where we go, who we meet, what movies we watch. The next phase is the surveillance going under our skin. We're now seeing mass surveillance systems established even in democratic countries, which previously rejected them. And we also see a change in the nature of surveillance. Previously, surveillance was mainly above the skin, now it's going under the skin. Governments want to know not just where we go or who we meet. Above all, they want to know what is happening under our skin. What's our body temperature? What's our blood pressure? What, what is our medical condition? Now humans are developing even bigger powers than ever before. We are really acquiring divine powers of creation and destruction. We are really upgrading humans into gods. We are acquiring, for instance, the, the power to re-engineer life. I know that in recent years, we saw populist politicians undermining deliberately the trust that people have in important institutions like universities, like respectable media outlets. These populist politicians told people that, say, scientists are this small elite disconnected from the real people. I mean, all this story about Jesus rising from the dead and being the son of God, this is fake news. Humans are now hackable animals. You know, the, the whole idea that humans have, you know, this, they, they have this soul or spirit and they have free will and nobody knows what's happening inside me. So whatever I choose, whether in the election 
or whether in the supermarket this is my free will, that's over. Oh, he means it. And I know that you've heard because I've played the audio of the Pfizer CEO bragging about the pill that you swallow and then it reports back as to whether you actually took it, whether you actually ingested it. He's real too. They mean all of this. The cost to not standing up on the little things is that they get to do the big things like this. And when I say kill seven or eight million people, I'm not joking. This professor advises the World Economic Forum. He says it needs to be done gently and slowly and that we all, it needs to be done equitably. But we have got to kill a bunch of people. The planet can support something like a billion people, maybe two billion, depending on how much liberty and how much material consumption you want to have. If you want more liberty and more consumption, you have to have fewer people. And conversely, you can have more people. I mean, we could even have eight or nine billion, probably, if we have a very strong dictatorship, which is smart. Smart. I wonder if he knows any smart wannabe dictators, like his boss, Klaus Schwab. It's uncomfortable to think about, isn't it? Well, it's a good thing that the Lord Jesus was never uncomfortable. It's a good thing that the Son of Man always has a place, always had a place to lay his head. It's good to know that Jesus was never run out of communities or called names, even in his hometown made fun of, derided, or hammered to a cross after being whipped, attempting to shame him. The Lord Jesus was all God and all man and spent a great deal of time, I think, in discomfort. After all, he wept when his own friends and followers didn't recognize either that Lazarus was already destined for heaven or that the Lord Jesus could bring him back to life. As Christian people, we're called to live with discomfort and sometimes to seek it. If you're a secular listener, we love you. We appreciate you. We hope you'll come to God. We hope you'll open your heart. And you are also called to be uncomfortable because during times of universal deceit, telling the truth is an act of bravery. And I trust that you are all brave people. This is the Todd Herman Show. We so appreciate your support. Please go be well, be strong, be kind, and yes, let's learn to be okay being uncomfortable. Be comfortable being uncomfortable. After all, our comfort resides not in seeking the approval of men, but the approval of God. <laughs>